0: listening to the bible 126 show the glory of god the god of abraham isaac and jacob the god who is the creator of heaven and earth the god of all glory the god of all righteousness the god of all eternity the god of all purity the God of all righteousness and holiness, the God of all the heavens. Look at the heavens. Look at the heavens and how far they reach. Worlds and galaxies as far as the eye can see. The further you look into the heavens, the more you can find. I struggle to understand those who don't believe there is a God, The reason being is, I don't understand how someone can believe we are here by chance. But those who don't believe there is a God, literally one second after they pass into eternity, they are going to believe there is a God. Just one moment after leaving this world, they are going to know without a shadow of a doubt that there is a God. They are going to see him in all his glory in all his majesty in all of his holiness and they will believe but at this point salvation will no longer be an option the glory of god is something that words cannot explain The glory of God is something that is beyond our human minds. The human body cannot withstand the sight of God. No man has seen God and lived. People have seen angels and lived, but no man, not a single man, has seen that eternal being that is from everlasting to everlasting and lived. If you ever truly understood the depths of the glory of God, your life would change. If you ever just saw a mere glimpse of the glory of God, your whole life would change. If you ever just saw a mere glimpse of the glory of God, you would humble yourself to him, and you would fall at his feet and worship him and adore him, because you would know that only he deserves to be worshipped and adored. John saw an angel in the book of Revelation, and his first instinct was to worship that angel, and that was just an angel. How much more God! How much more of a God that no man has seen and lived! If you ever saw just a mere glimpse of glory of God, a fire would ignite in you because he is a benevolent God. He is a kind God. He is a loving God. He is a God of affection. He is a God that can be approached. He is not like these other strange gods that you cannot come to know and approach. The God of this Bible encourages you to approach him. The God of this Bible is a God who you can become his friend, and he will become your friend. He is described as a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In other words, come hell or high water, he will be there. Isaiah 43 verse 2, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, 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 and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And he is the giver of all good gifts. The Bible says in James 1 verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The glory of God. He is perfect in all that he does. God is a good God. He is what you are longing for. Not drugs, not illicit sex, not stuff, not cars not bags not women not men not money what you are longing for is god it is god that you need it is god that gives you life It is God that gives you joy. It is God that will feed your soul. You do not need religion. You do not need a mentor. You do not need a therapist. You don't need another relationship. What you need is God Almighty. The one who created you and knew you before the foundation of the world. Chronicles 5 verse 13 and 14. It came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever." ever that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Although God is omnipresent, he does not manifest his power and glory everywhere. The glory of God is the fullness of His majesty which can be displayed through any of His attributes. For instance, God's glory can manifest when His people worship Him. Another instance is when God displays His glory in battle while taking vengeance on behalf of His children. In so many ways as such, God could manifest His glory. One thing is common every time God's glory is manifested. The supernatural is always produced. When God displays his glory, everything else is displaced. God does not share his glory with any idol or any human or spirit whatsoever. The glory of God is awesome. There is something unusual about God something very strange and unusual about the glory of god that no man can see him and live after the dedication of the temple of solomon in second chronicles 5 the ark of covenant was brought into the temple and the trumpeters and singers began to worship god the worship was so intense that the glory of God came down visibly in the form of a cloud and filled the temple such that the priests could not stand to minister. The glory of God is experienced whenever his manifest presence comes into a place or upon an individual. For instance, Moses fellowshiped with God for forty days on Mount Sinai, And the glory of God rubbed upon his face such that the Israelites could not look into his eyes. There is something unusual about God, something very strange and unusual about the glory of God, that no man can see him and live. There is no idol that can rival with God in glory. The glory of God is accompanied by his jealousy. He judges anything that attempts to stand in his way or share in his glory. In First Samuel 4, the Philistines defeated the Israelites because of their sins, and they captured the Ark of Covenant, a symbolism of the presence and glory of God in the land of Israel. We know from Scripture that the ark represents the glory of God because when Phinehas' wife heard that the ark had been captured, she travailed and gave birth prematurely, and she called the child Ichabod, meaning that the glory of God has departed from Israel. But the Philistines made the mistake of their lives by putting the Ark of Covenant into the shrine of their god Dagon. First Samuel 5 verse 2 to 4 says, When the Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord, and they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold, only the stump of Dagon was left to him God does not share his glory with anything he is the only great and powerful God he alone deserves to be worshipped and adored take time to worship God our God is the king of glory psalm 24 verse 7 and 8 says Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. God is glorious in battle. He is glorious in praises. He is glorious in holiness. Everything about God is glorious. His manifest presence advertises His glory. Wherever God's presence is manifested, His glory is manifested too. The glory and the presence of God are complementary. God's glory will never be manifested where His manifest presence is not present. All chains are broken under the atmosphere of his presence. All battles are won in the atmosphere of his glory. When the glory of God comes down, your shame is over. When his glory manifests, your chains are broken. Prophet Isaiah referred to the glory of God in Isaiah 64 verse 1 when he prayed, O that Thou wouldest rend the heavens, that Thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at Thy presence. The God we serve is the God of glory. He dwells in splendor, and His kingdom is glorious. Fortunately, we are the children of the glorious God. Beware of these three witnesses. We all know of the two witnesses that will step forth on the world stage during the darkest hour of the world's history. The two witnesses are two human beings who will be given extraordinary power for three and a half years just before Christ's return. If anyone attempts to harm them before they complete their ministry, fire will proceed from their mouths and devour their enemies. During the Great Tribulation, God will send the two witnesses to give one final warning to this world. This message of rebuke and repentance will bring them into conflict with the people and the governments in power, and they will be martyred. The whole world will rejoice and give each other gifts as they view their dead bodies lying unburied in the streets of Jerusalem. However, those same people will be struck with great fear when they see the two witnesses come to life again and ascend into the sky in a cloud. We have all heard of the two witnesses, but have you ever heard of the three witnesses in the first of John? First John five verse eight, and there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. The Holy Scriptures precisely mention the three witnesses as the three that bear witness on earth the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. Let us look at each individual witness. Number 1. The Holy Spirit And first, the Holy Spirit is witness at this hour that the religion of Jesus is the truth, and that Jesus is the Son of God. John 15 verse 26 But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Within the hearts of every believer the Holy Spirit speaks to them and bears witness about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he is the giver of life, that he is the only way to the Father. The Holy Spirit, my friend, is the one that reveals the Lord Jesus Christ to believers. I have never seen the Lord Jesus Christ, but he is more real to me than the very air that I breathe. I have never seen heaven or been in heaven, but heaven is more real to me than this world that I live in and that is only possible because the Spirit of God bears witness at the reality of Jesus Christ, the reality of the Bible. The Spirit of God does not bear witness everywhere, for there are many that preach the name of Christ, but they are led by seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The Spirit of God does bear witness. Wherever Jesus is fully preached, he is the great witness to the truth of his word. For what does he do? The Holy Spirit of God convinces men of the truth of the gospel. People are not convinced by your wonderful preaching or your eloquent speech. It is the Holy Spirit that speaks to people and tells them that God is real it is the holy spirit that moves the hearts of people when they hear the gospel it is the holy spirit that disturbs people's lives of sin when they hear the gospel message when people hear that there is a god who created the heavens and earth the holy spirit tells them that it is true that everything couldn't be here by accident The world and all its complexities couldn't be formed by happenstance. When people hear that God created them, that he formed them, that he designed them in its own image, and that human beings are not animals and that they are not a mishap of the evolutionary process, the Holy Spirit tells them that this is true. When people hear that the god who created this universe and the god who created humanity therefore expects his creation to love him and to obey the laws he has set in his universe their holy spirit tells them that this is also true but why do people fight what the holy spirit is witnessing if they know it is true The answer is simple. The gospel message reveals to us that we are all guilty. Who wants to hear that they are guilty? That is why people suppress the gospel message. Because the gospel message points the finger at you. You. You and me. And tells us that we are all guilty and have fallen short of the laws of this infinite God who has set the requirements for us that we haven't met and the holy spirit tells them that all of this is true and that god requires we love one another because all humans are made in the image of god and are therefore special in the eyes of god when people hear that god requires we love him with all our heart with all our soul and with all our mind and that the proof of this love is seen in John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. But people do not like what their conscience is telling them because they know they have not kept his commandments. They know they haven't kept his laws and that they are guilty. And they have offended and disobeyed a God who is eternal, infinite, Therefore they are guilty, and their punishment must be eternal and infinite. Because if the truth be told, who wants to know that an everlasting God is angry with them? Who wants to know that every one of their actions, thoughts, and deeds one day will be examined? Who wants to know that all their sins will be judged, and the punishment for each of them are everlasting? Who wants to know that they will spend eternity in the lake of fire? And as I preach this message, the Holy Spirit is witnessing to you now that what I am saying is true, and that Jesus is the Son of God, the Holy Spirit bears witness. A preacher once said, The Holy Spirit makes proud men tremble, and wicked men quake for fear. The conversions which are brought where Christ is truly preached are the miracles which attest the truth of the gospel. He who can make the harlot to be chaste, the drunkard to be sober, the thief to be honest, the malicious to be forgiving, the covetous to be generous, and above all the self-righteous to be humble, is indeed the Christ of God. And when the Spirit does all this and more by the gospel, he bears conclusive witness to the power of the cross. Number 2. The Water as Second Witness The water witnesses CHS states the following on water as the witness. Not the water of baptism, but the new life implanted in Christians, for that is the sense in which John's master had used the word water. The water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up unto everlasting life, Where the Spirit of God comes, he creates in a man a new nature, pure, bright, fresh, vigorous like a fountain. And the fact that this new nature does exist in multitudes of men is a standing evidence that the gospel is true. For no other religion makes man new creatures, no other religion even pretends to do it. They may propose to improve the old nature, but none of them can say, Behold, I make all things new. Revelation 1 verse 18, I am he that liveth, and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. There is no death for Christians, we are not dead people, we do not celebrate death, we do not fear death, we do not worry about death, because the word of God says, he that believeth in me shall never die. Do you know what this tells me? This tells me that you don't have to fear death. Because those who place their faith in Jesus Christ shall never taste death. They shall never experience death. Death can't stalk them. Those who place their faith in Jesus Christ have a life which cannot be taken away because the Prince of Life has broken the life of death and the number three the blood as a witness the third abiding witness is the blood hebrews 9 verse 22 and without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins the blood bears witness our forgiveness your forgiveness and my forgiveness is because of the blood without the shedding of blood there is no remission the undefiled blood of the lord jesus christ the undefiled blood of jesus is the blood that can remove the stain of sin. The undefiled blood of Jesus is the blood that cleanses from all sin. The undefiled blood of Jesus is the blood that every demon of hell fears. Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. The blood of Jesus after speaking peace to the conscience, inflames the heart with fervent love, and full often leads men to high deeds of consecration, self-denial, and self-sacrifice. Yes, the blood has such a melting, such a converting, such a subduing, such a sanctifying, such a joy-creating power to every conscience which hears its matchless voice, that it remains with the spirit and the water, a convincing witness to the Christ of God. What can wash away my sins? Nothing, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus.